the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WLCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. For the last few weeks, we have been studying Paul's farewell address to these elders, and we have discovered that he divided his message into two parts, into two sections. The first section, which has been really the focus of our study for the last two Sundays, has been Paul reminding these men of how he conducted his life, he conducted his ministry when he was with them, that the last three years. And so we read in verses 18 through 21, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials, which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance towards God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. to today's Verse by Verse, where we feature the teaching of Pastor Steve Kreloff. I'd have to say that as we are going through this series, I am more and more impressed with the ministry and life of the Apostle Paul. And not to put him on a pedestal, but really, how many people would be totally comfortable to say, look at how I have ministered and emulate me? Of course, it was by God's grace that Paul was able to minister in such a way that he could tell the Ephesian elders to copy him. I'm not sure I would have the confidence to say that. All that being said, we have much to learn from this farewell address that the Apostle Paul is giving in Acts chapter 20. So with that being said, let's jump into today's lesson with Pastor Steve Kreloff. I recently met with a young man from Lakeside Christian School who senses God's call on his life to be a pastor. He wanted to get together with me in order to ask me questions concerning what he should do to prepare for the ministry. So we spent about an hour together, and during that time, I stressed to him the importance of having godly character. I said, that is the foundation of it all. Godly character. We talked about being committed to hard work. There's no room for laziness in the ministry. Talked to him about building a good library, reading good books, going to a strong seminary, having godly friends, and things along those lines. But in reality, I could have simply gone over the Apostle Paul's farewell address to the elders from the church at Ephesus, because In his address, Paul gave these men the basics of what they would need to carry on a Christ-honoring, successful pastorate. For the last few weeks, we have been studying Paul's farewell address to these elders, and we have discovered that he divided his message into two parts, into two sections. 
The first section, which has been really the focus of our study for the last two Sundays, has been Paul reminding these men of how he conducted his life, he conducted his ministry when he was with them. That was the last three years. And so we read in verses 18 through 21, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you yourselves know from the first day that I set foot in Asia, how I was with you the whole time serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials which came upon me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you publicly and from house to house, solemnly testifying to both Jews and Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as you can see from these verses, Paul tells them how he served the Lord when he was with them In Ephesus, he said he did it with humility, he did it with tears, he did it with trials, and he was diligent and bold in preaching the word of God, both to believers and to unbelievers. And so he he says, in spite of the trials in the form of persecution at the hands of Jewish people, he refused to let these attacks hold him back from aggressively proclaiming the word of God, both to believers and to unbelievers. And even though Paul has now departed from their city, and he is currently on his way to Jerusalem. He wants these elders, he wants these men to know, to understand that he continues to be steadfast. He continues to be resolute in preaching the gospel, even though he knows that imprisonment and suffering await him in Jerusalem. He goes on to say that in verses 22 through 24. And now, meaning currently, Behold, bound by the Spirit, I'm on my way to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. He means he doesn't know the the details, the outcome, but here's what he does know. Except that the Holy Spirit solemnly testifies to me in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions await me. But I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself, so that I may finish my course and the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to solemnly testify of the gospel of the grace of God. Now, as I've told you before, Paul's whole purpose in reminding, and that's what he's doing. He's not telling them anything new at this point. He's simply reminding these elders about how he lived, how he ministered while he was in Ephesus. His purpose in doing that is for them to copy him, to follow him, to emulate him. All that Paul has told them about himself is not done in a boastful way manner or motivation, it's been said with the intent of presenting himself as a model, an illustration, an example for them to imitate so that they would know how to conduct their lives and their ministry, especially now that he was leaving. In other words, this is a follow me as I follow Christ kind of instruction. But now, having told them about how he carried out his own ministry, starting with verse 28, There's a transition. Paul proceeds to tell them how they are to carry out their ministry. He told them about his, now their ministry. And in doing so, he moves on to the second part, the second section of his address, in which he tells them about their pastoral responsibilities to their congregation, the church at Ephesus. Now, what we're going to see in the verses this week and Lord willing next week are five specific responsibilities that Paul charges these elders to carry out. But before we look at them, I want each of you to understand that while the apostles' message is, yes, it's specifically directed at church leaders, elders, his words are relevant, they're significant, they're very important for all church 
members, and I'll tell you why. The reason that they're so important is because those who sit under the leadership of church elders need to have some understanding, some understanding of what these men do, the unique challenges that they face as pastors, the difficult temptations that they encounter. And why is this so important for a congregation to know? Well, I'll let Paul answer this question by turning to the words that he gave to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 12 and 13. He said, but we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Then he adds, live in peace with one another. Now, Paul tells the members of this church the church of the Thessalonians, that they are to appreciate, they are to esteem, and they are to love those who are over them, meaning their church leaders. He goes on to say this is necessary for peace to exist in a congregation. But there's no way that you can appreciate, you can esteem, or you can really love your elders if you don't have any understanding of what they do and all that is involved in the work of serving and leading you as a congregation. And so starting today, we're going to get a glimpse into the various responsibilities that God has given elders of a local church. Understand, this is Paul's final charge to these men. Once he's finished, he's going to walk to the ship that's waiting for him in Miletus. He's going to get on board that ship. He's going to resume his journey to Jerusalem, never to meet with them as a group again. And so beginning with verse 28, we see that the first responsibility that Paul tells these elders about is that they are to, number one, they are to pay attention to their own lives. Pay attention to your own life. Verse 28, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Now, as you can see, this statement by Paul, it's filled with a number of critical truths related to pastoral ministry. For example, it's here that we learn that each member of the Trinity, the triune Godhead, each member is involved in the work of the local church. Paul reveals that it is God the Holy Spirit who sovereignly selects men to be overseers of the church. That's what he means when he says, among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. So specifically, it is God the Spirit who selects the men to be overseers in a local church. Secondly, Paul also says that it is God the Father to whom the church belongs, since elders are called to shepherd the church of God, meaning the church that belongs to God. And God here, when he says God, he means God the Father. In addition, he also says that it is God the Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the one who purchased the church with his blood, meaning his atoning death at Calvary. It's also in this verse that we learn that the role of elders involves that of being overseers as well as shepherds, meaning that these three titles, elders, overseers, and shepherds, shepherds are synonymous with pastor, exact same Greek word. They're used to the same men in order to communicate the various functions that these men have in the local church. However, As important as these truths are concerning the role of the Trinity and the function of elders in a local church, as important as those issues might be, and they are, interestingly, 
significantly, the very first thing that Paul says to these men before anything else, anything else, the number one priority for a pastor is that they are to pay attention to their own lives. Notice how the apostle begins his address to this man. He charges the elders to be on guard for yourselves. Now the thought behind these words, be on guard, is to keep watch or pay strict attention. And so what Paul is telling these men to do before anything else is to pay close attention to their own lives, their own spiritual lives. In other words, he wants them to keep a constant watch over the way that they live. He wants them to make sure that the first priority of their lives is to have a healthy relationship with Christ. And for this to be a reality, they must guard their own souls. That's the point. What Paul is saying to the elders, it isn't limited to them. It isn't just these men. It applies to all church leaders in every age. This is exactly what Paul told Timothy. It wasn't just to these men, but he told Timothy to do in chapter 4 of his first letter. After devoting most of 1 Timothy chapter 4 to telling this young man how to conduct himself and how to carry on his teaching ministry, Paul closes the chapter by telling him the very same thing that he's told the Ephesian elders. He says, pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. That's verse 16. Pay close attention to yourself and to your teaching. Paul commands Timothy to make sure that he's constantly evaluating and examining his own life, as well as the doctrines, the teachings that he taught to make sure that he was walking in obedience to what he was preaching to others. Listen, no man can care for the souls of others in the church if he doesn't first take care of his own soul. There's nothing more important than personal holiness and godly character in the life of a pastor. Nothing more important than that. Without godly character, a man isn't qualified to be a pastor. And even with godly character, he's under constant assault by Satan to compromise in his personal daily obedience to Christ. And so it is imperative, imperative that those called to care for others in the church must first take care of their own walk with the Lord. Many years ago in his classic book on pastoring entitled The Reformed Pastor, Puritan Richard Baxter explained why it's so important for pastors to guard their own lives. Here's what Baxter wrote. He said, take heed to yourselves because the tempter will make his first and sharpest attack on you. He knows what devastation he is likely to make among the rest if he can make the leaders fall before their eyes. He has long practiced fighting, neither against great nor small comparatively, but against the shepherds that he might scatter the flock. Take heed then, for the enemy has a special eye on you. You're sure to have his most subtle insinuations, incessant solicitations, and violent assaults. Take heed to yourself, lest he outwit you. The devil is a greater scholar than you are, and a more nimble disputant. And whenever he prevails against you, he will make you the instrument of your own ruin." So, in light of Paul's command to these men to be on guard for yourselves, we need to ask ourselves then the question, how do you do this? What does this entail? How is an elder, or for that matter, any Christian, how are they supposed to guard their own life in order to protect themselves from Satan's assaults? Well, it all begins with making sure that you spend time in the Word of God and in prayer. 
And not because, and I say this to those who are elders, not because you have to prepare a weekly sermon or you have lessons to prepare, that's the temptation, just be a professional sermon maker, but no, you need to spend time in the Word to have your own soul fed apart from what you do for the church. You need to have personal time, personal fellowship with the Lord. You need to have a daily quiet time where you meet with the Lord, you take in Scripture You apply it to your own life and you pour out your heart to God in prayer. You see, elders need to make sure that they are obeying the word of God in their own lives, lest they be hypocritical and preaching truth to others, but failing to obey it themselves. And they especially need to guard their hearts against such things as being bitter towards those in the church who criticize them, becoming discouraged when people leave the church, giving into the temptation to laziness and doubting God's power and ability to be faithful to his word. These are the kinds of things that pastors tend to struggle with and therefore they need to guard their hearts from letting these things negatively affect their relationship with Christ. See, the key issue for pastors, as for all of us, is to make sure that we don't let sinful attitudes, those inner sinful attitudes which nobody else sees but we know that they are there those sinful attitudes we have to make sure that they don't corrupt us that they don't corrupt us it's relatively easy you see for pastors to look like they have it together on the outside but that's exactly how the pharisees appeared these men were outwardly devout looking but inwardly they were ungodly i mean jesus called them whitewashed tombs because they look clean on the outside just like a tomb but inwardly they were full of rotting decay this is what Jesus said to these men in Matthew 23 starting verse 27 woe to you scribes and Pharisees hypocrites for you are all like whitewashed tombs which on the outside appear beautiful but inside they're full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness so you too outwardly appear righteous to men but inwardly you're full of hypocrisy and lawlessness see the pharisees were never concerned with true inner holiness they weren't concerned about that they weren't concerned about the word of god addressing the sinful attitudes of the heart like pride and lust and jealousy and anger and covetousness and attitudes like that. All they wanted to do was appear to look godly, to look good on the outside. But elders, elders in a church are not to be like that. They have to work at being holy by addressing sinful attitudes in their own lives. Concerning the need for holiness in a pastor's life, one Bible teacher said these words. He said, personal holiness is the requirement of true and powerful leadership. God calls for holiness that is not just outward in the eyes of men. True holiness is inward so that one can say with Paul, for our proud confidence is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in holiness and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but in the grace of God, we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially toward you, 2 Corinthians 1.12. So to my fellow elders who I serve alongside with at Lakeside, I say to you what Paul said to the elders at Ephesus, be on guard for yourselves. Watch your own lives. Take time to be holy by making sure that you are paying attention to your own life by continuously nurturing your own souls. And so that's the first responsibility. Paul said that elders have is to pay attention to their own lives. 
But as Paul continues addressing the elders, he tells them about a second responsibility they have, and that is they are to shepherd all the flock. And so we continue reading verse 28, be on guard for yourselves for all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God. Now, not only are elders responsible to look after their own spiritual lives, that's their first priority, but Paul charges them, as you see here, to also look after the spiritual lives of the members of the congregation that they serve. And he does this by using the imagery of a church as a flock. Why? Because he wants these elders to understand that God has placed them in the role of shepherds caring for their sheep. And that's why Paul tells them that the Holy Spirit has made them both overseers and shepherds. Now, this is critically important that everyone in the church needs to understand this truth. Paul states that it is the Holy Spirit, listen closely, it is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, who makes men overseers of the church. In other words, it is the Spirit who sovereignly appoints men to be leaders in the church. And while he certainly uses people in the process of making his will known, there is a human process to this. Nonetheless, the Spirit is the one who ultimately chooses those who will be elders in each specific local church. That's what Paul is teaching here. And that's important, very important to understand because if the Spirit is the one who chooses the men who are to be elders in the church, then it is a great comfort A great comfort to know that in the Spirit's sovereign wisdom, he has assigned just the right men to properly care for each church. Knowing this then, we can rest in the truth that the men who the Spirit has placed at Lakeside to lead this church, they're the very men who the Spirit in his wisdom deems best to serve us. He makes no mistakes. Here's how this works. We know from the New Testament that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. He's also the chief shepherd, but he's the head of the church. And the church, by church, the Bible means in this sense that I'm using it here, and the New Testament uses it, it includes all born-again believers all over the world. That's what we refer to as the universal church. All those who have trusted Christ for salvation in every corner of the world. But he then takes his worldwide church and he divides it into various flocks or local churches in different communities across the globe. And then the Holy Spirit raises up spiritually qualified men to serve as overseers of these local flocks or churches. And by overseer, Paul means that elders are responsible for the overall care of the church. The Greek word for overseer And I'm only going to mention the Greek word because you'll see that it relates to something. But the Greek word for overseer is episkopos. Episkopos, I say that because we get our English word episcopal in reference to the Episcopalian church from this. Because this word is sometimes translated, and if you have a King James version of the Bible, it'll say bishop. This word is sometimes translated bishop, and the Episcopal Church has, as its form of church government, a system of bishops. But the word itself is overseer. It simply means one who supervises, one who manages, one who rules. That's the the thought. 
I think an easy way to understand this word is to know that it is actually comprised of two words that are brought together, the word to look and the word over. That's really self-explanatory. An overseer, then, is someone who looks over or keeps watch over someone else. It's as if they climb the ladder and they're looking over the church. That's what it is. In other words, elders have been placed in local churches by the Holy Spirit to watch over the people of the church, and thus they are referred to as overseers. I found the explanation of an overseer to be interesting. Obviously, the main application of an overseer in this series is the pastor of a church. However, listen to these words again. An overseer is someone who looks over or keeps watch over someone else. Parents, grandparents, school teachers, Sunday school teachers, youth leaders, managers. We could compile a very long list of overseers. And I think it would be safe to say that most everyone is an overseer to some extent. And that means this series is for you as well. I hope you've been challenged to consider who you oversee and then ask God to help you humbly minister to them. We have much more to consider in this series, A Faithful Shepherd Says Farewell. So I hope you are able to join us for the next verse-by-verse program. If you have missed any of the messages by Pastor Steve Kreloff, you can surf over to versebyverseradio.org. Click on the radio tab and look for the podcast link. There you will find any messages you might have missed. See you next time. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.